don't know where you're at in your spirit, but God is here. You may not know that. You may not experience that. You may have experienced that. But take a minute to realize that God of all creation is here with us today. How good is that? Amen? Amen. Lord, we just pray that this day your word speaks to our heart, our mind, our spirit, that we could be the people of God that you want us to be today. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. Have a seat, please. As you were coming in, I was thinking, my, these are really wonderful people. They really are. Seriously. There's a few ornery ones. I won't mention any names, John. I love John. He's so fun. We have a, we have a thing going on here. We harass each other. So anyway, uh, I tend to do that. Uh, so hey, we're in the third week of an amazing series. Pastor John has preached the last two weeks on this topic of above average. If you've been here, you would agree he has raised the roof. Amen? I'm here to lower it. It's my thing. I'm not jumping off the stage. I, I, I gave him a Superman shirt this week. Uh, if you were here a couple weeks ago, he jumped off the stage and he banged his uh, shin. And I gave him a Superman shirt, said, able to leap st- uh, short stages in a single bound. <laughs> anyway, I don't know if he was amused or what, but anyway. So, hey, we're going to talk about today what is a passion of mine, what's excited on my heart, the idea of above average church. You are God's church, and we want to look at that. Now, if you look at the idea of above average, really just what it means is something better than just normal. For a simple example, uh, I, I was raised here in Colorado, and we'd get ice cream like from King Supers or Safeways, and it was average. And then I went to Texas, and I experienced this thing called Bluebell. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, that was ice cream. Homemade vanilla. I found out why it was so good. Not healthy, but so good. They had a lot more fat content. So I figured out in life, anything with more fat content is a good thing. Amen. Anyway. So let me just tell you, uh, I was thinking about this. I've been a pastor longer than most of you have been alive. Seriously. 44 years uh, I've been involved in uh, ministry. And I've seen a lot in church. I've been in a lot of churches over those years, worked with a lot of pastors, seen a lot of wonderful church people and some ornery church people, all right? And that happens. That's the experience we have. And I was thinking, what makes a church above average as I prepared for this? We think along the lines, you would probably think this as well, great preaching, that helps, uh, great music, that helps, friendly people, a good kids' youth program. We've got great pastors here that build those kinds of things. I would be thinking those would make above average church. I'm going to tell you, I think all those are important, but I think as little as what God would define as above average. And you got to really think about that. And my hope today is that I can show you what that means. All of those are important. They're a great aspect of above average church. But I want to point out today, it's more than that. So we're going to look at uh, our passage that we've been studying through this series is uh, Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And I'm going to look more in depth in that. And I want to give you a little history with Paul here. He begins chapter 3 talking about some of the battles that the church there was facing. You've got to understand that in the beginning with Abraham, God said, I want a people. 
And he picked the people and he picked the Jewish nation. They were his people. And so throughout history up till this time that Paul's writing this church, the Jewish people were very serious and excited and committed and dogged about them being God's people. And so when Jesus came, he died, he resurrected, and he said, this gospel is for everybody. I want everyone that wants this to be my people. The Jewish people weren't real happy about that. They were thinking, these Gentiles cannot have our God. You ever been in a group of people that you just want your people? They felt that, and they were very serious about that. Paul himself was very serious about that, and why he writes with regret how he persecuted the Christians. And so we go through this thing about accepting these Gentiles into the church as God's people. And so he prefaces this letter with that idea of, hey, all of a sudden, all right, Peter has this passion for the Jewish people and explaining the gospel and then now to the Gentiles. But Paul has a real heart for us Gentiles. He wanted us to know Jesus. Well, battles in church have been a longstanding tradition. How many have been in church a long time? You ever seen stuff in church? Well, there's stuff in church. There's no perfect church. We're not a perfect church. All right. This church, though, that really took off in the beginning in the book of Acts was really a happening church. They had it going on. They had these things that were happening. They had dynamic preaching that was bringing people to Christ on a regular basis. They had a church that we all would want in committed relationships. They had worship that was phenomenal. Evangelism, benevolence. All of us here today would say, that's a great above average church. That's the kind of church I want. So let me read about that church for just a moment. In Acts chapter 2, it said this, all the believers, they had devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals. Oh, I like that part. Can I say that again? To sharing in meals. Can I get an amen from you, huh? Good food. Thank you, Jesus, for good food. I'm sorry. I just have to have a moment. Okay, I'm moving on. Including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. How many would raise a hand today and say, I want to be a part of that church? No, you wouldn't. Let me finish reading. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Some of you just dropped off. <laughs> they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. We just lost a few more. They worshiped together at the temple each day. Boy, we lost a bunch on that one. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. Got a few there. They shared their meals with great joy. We got some back. And generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. My point is this, all right? Their approach to church was different than ours. The vast majority of people today in church just see this as kind of a weekend thing. I'm not being critical about that. It's just been your experience and what you do. But here's what we do in church. I'm going to tell you, church pastors, leaders, all this stuff that goes on in church, we're really bad about fads and comp copying, okay? So if church A over here does something and people come to there, guess what church B does? Same thing. I've been guilty. Can I tell you it's really dumb? It's just not good. Now look, there are principles for church. We should be a warm, welcoming, inviting church. We should have great worship. Donnie, uh, you guys, where are y'all? Man, great job, Camille. Uh, I love these guys. Seriously, can we let them know? Just we love you guys. We love you guys. 
Not only is the musicianship excellent, but their heart of worship is there. I've been at churches where, man, they've got great bands and great music, but it's a performance. For you guys, it's a heart for Jesus. That's good worship, okay? Now, all right, we try to copy these things in church. We try to do these programs, all right? There's organization to church, but it's not about programs, all right? And so all of a sudden, we look at this church in Acts, and we think, okay, if we do these things, let's create programs around what they've done, and then we're going to have an above-average church. Oh, for crying out loud, it has never worked well. It just hasn't. I'm going to make a point here, and this is really, if you get anything today and get your pen out, I want you to write this down. You have to see past the what they were doing. Because our issue is we always try to do the what, and we really miss something very important. You have to see the why. Now, I'm going to tell you, this isn't brilliant. This isn't theologian. This isn't nothing but really simple, simple truth. They believed the church was important. That simple thing will change a church from being below average, average to amazingly above average. When God's people come together and believe that the church is important, all of a sudden, everything begins to happen in an amazing way. In Ephesians, Paul says this, and he talks about this in the verse 10. God's purpose in all this, and he was explaining about all the church dynamics with the Jews and the Gentiles and how he was revealed now to a new group of people and how God wanted his church to be a great thing. Paul says God's purpose in all this was, and this is so amazing, to use the church, that's us, to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, God, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's in that part why God's church is important. It's that the wisdom of God would be made known. Okay. Man, I studied all week to try to understand why that's important. You know what I came up with? Nothing. No, I'm kidding you. <laughs> I actually, most of the week, could not. Man, I, I studied, I did all, and I was like, okay, why is that important? Why is that? And, and, and I made it complicated. I have a gift of making simple things complicated. It's wonderful. And all of a sudden, this realization came in worship the other day that it's not what you think. It's simply this display of Jesus saying, okay, you thought it was over. Now, these that he's talking about in the heavenlies, all right, in the authorities and the unseen rulers, these are spiritual entities that God had created, the angelic beings, all right? And listen, I know this isn't really deep theology, but the reality is only God knows the beginning, the end, and everything that's happening. We created beings, and angels which are created beings do not have that capacity. There's demonic work, there's angelic work, all of those, but they don't have the capacity of God. So what God said in doing this to both the winning team and the losing team, the bad team, the good team, he said, I want you to see this. You've seen this history throughout, and we've come to the place where all of the demons of hell were rejoicing that Jesus was killed. The Son of God, it was over. We have won. We're taking over this thing. Three days later from a tomb, Jesus arises, and then the church comes alive, and God's people are ready for battle. And all of the heavenly see that. And the reality is, is that every victory of God that takes place in the church is another message to the heavenlies that it is God through Christ Jesus that gets the victory. 
And it's a reminder day after day, moment after moment, that we are important, that the church is important, that it isn't just something that we gather on a weekend and we enjoy some music and we maybe hear a great message and we go and we live our lives. You, every day, every moment, it is important. Oh my goodness, the church is so amazing. Throughout the week, good things happen. God things happen. All right? Tell you real something funny. This is simple. This is dumb. Okay? Um, so last week I was here. I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Last week I was here, and man, I'd been having some pain in my abdomen. And this is a so amazing God thing. It's a little thing. God works here. God works throughout your week. I'm in the lobby setting, and I work on a message uh, discussion guides and watching the message and write things and send them out to those groups that do that. And so, man, I'd been having this pain for three days. Uh, Nicole, one of our, uh, Paul and Nicole, great couple, she said, and this is really funny later, because she said, I, it was 90-something degrees, and all of a sudden I had an urge for a hot tea. She goes, gets a hot tea. She sees me. She comes up and says, hey, how you doing? I said, man, I have this pain. So you know what do we do when we have pains? We Google. <laughs> okay, it could be diverticulitis. And, uh, it looks like the top contender's uh, appendix. Now, look it. I'm a guy. Guys, we know what we're talking about here. We're tough. We're dumb. All the women said, yeah. You know, I'm toughing this out. Now, here's the beauty of this. You got to understand this. If a guy would have come up to me, he'd have said, huh, be tough, you know. And it was starting to feel a little better. She planted a seed. I'm sitting there thinking, and, and, and listen, if it came, it, it, I, I know her. She's so sweet, and she wasn't pushy. She, she just said, you know, that could be a problem. <laughs> so now I've got doubts. So I literally leave. I go to the urgent care, and it took hours and all that kind of stuff. And so after scans and everything, this real nice doctor lady comes in, and she says, you have acute appendicitis. I said, well, thank you. Take cute anytime. No, she said acute. I said, oh, okay. So they get me over to Sky Ridge. They take it out. The doctor comes in that did the surgery. He said, you have an ugly appendicitis. I said, would you two figure this out? Is it cute or ugly? So they did all that, and it's been a fun week, but it's been a good week. It's really been nice to be able to just really chill a little because that's not my nature, okay? But even in those little things are victories, I could have literally ignored that, and I would have probably ignored that, but God sent just this sweet little friend of mine over to just plant that seed of doubt, and I ended up doing the right thing. But here's what this passage says, that the how that God made his wisdom known is through you, the church. Man, are you excited about being the church? Hey, let's just say we are God's people. Yeah, that was pretty lame. We are God's people. We are God's people. That's a big deal. Believe that the church is important. And so all of this goes to the principalities and powers. I'm going to close a book today. Many of you that have been a while, here a while, have walked a journey with me. Very special people that I love. And several years ago, my beloved wife, Amazing wife. Yesterday would have been our 46th anniversary. And I had gone through cancer with her, fighting that battle. This church was very, very important. And I'll explain why. 
And so she passed away March 2nd, a year and a half ago. And her battle was over. Her victory was won. My reading this morning was death. Where is your victory? Where is your sting? That means something different to me today. That's a victorious word that we have in Corinthians that Paul gives us. So let me just give you a little bit of this story, and you're going to see why it's important to this message. When she died, it was hard. I loved Jesus. I had confidence. I was never angry at God. I never doubted God. But the pain and the sadness and the hurt of being alone without her was tough. And so we began to go through that journey, and this church was amazing. My friends were amazing. God did so many cool things through that time, and they are helpful. But every night when you just crawl in that bed by yourself and you miss somebody, you have that ache. And so I was carrying that ache, all right? And along the way, God would do neat little things to help move me along, all right? Many of you are going through things. I want to just stop and say, God is with you. You may not feel it. You may not know it. When you look back, you will see it. And so uh, we came up about on a year, and I was really struggling. I was just dreading my life, and I have a good life. And so um, John uh, did a series of the first of the year, and it was talking about what God restores. And the truth is, we went to our teaching team meeting, and John shares what he's talking about. And honestly, I'm a real laid back. I'm not a very confrontational, contrarian kind of person. And he's going through Job. And I said, John, I don't get Brenda back. It was just hurting. It was not a nice thing to say, but it was just where my heart was. And John's so gracious. And he kind of talked that truth through that. As a result of that, he took his message and retooled it. And he said in that message, three things that we don't get back. And it was very helpful. And he's preaching that message. I'm in the lobby where I am doing the guide. All right. And I'm sitting there and he's preaching and he's talking about that. And how many believe God speaks to you? I have grown up all my life hearing God, knowing God. It's this inner voice. I know it's God when it's God. I just know. And John is preaching and I'm still a little aggravated at God. And I still repeated my statement. God, I don't get Brenda back. And here's what the Holy Spirit said. He asked me this question. What was Brenda to you? I started listening to things. She was my wife, my best friend, and I listed all these things. She was just joy and love to me. I'm telling you, we had a really rough go in early, and we earned a good marriage. We earned it, and we enjoyed the benefit of that, and God did miracles to make that happen. If you're here struggling in your marriage today, I'm just going to give you a word, and this is from God. Do not give up. Do not quit. Jesus is able to help you if you open up your heart and don't shut him out. That was a word for somebody. And you know what the Holy Spirit said to me? This is amazing. Simple revelation. God said, you don't get Brenda back, but you get those back. And it just touched my heart. And then right after that, John in the message, right at the perfect timing, said, you have a hope and a future. And all that came together and something happened in me. It's like all of a sudden I had hope again. It was soon after we went to Peru. All right, they did the uh, thing with the uh, mural of Brenda and I did not know that that would be there. Uh, I know that they had dedicated this uh, 
uh, community center playground tour, and I thought maybe they'd have a nice scripture or something like that. Blew me away. They pulled back this curtain and this seven-foot picture of my wife uh, from the uh, funeral program, and, and it, it, it was, I'm really speechless. Uh, my son and I just started crying and hugging each other. Some of you were there. I see some of our Peru team. Very hard moment, and it was so much a next step. It felt like the Lord took me beyond where that was in the hope to the next step of letting go. And I remember the last day I went up there by myself. They were all getting ready to, it, it, to head out, and I just had to go up. I, I just remember, I, I know it's sentimental, it may be silly to you, but I had to go up and just put my hand on the painting. And I did that, and I just had this sweet little moment, and these little Peruvian kids that were in the playground, they came up to me, and they pointed at it. And I, I didn't know Spanish, so I thought maybe they're wondering about the picture, and uh, Larry had told them about the meaning of it. And I pulled out my phone, and I showed them a picture of me and Brenda together. And I, I'll tell you, God has these sweet little moments. Those little Peruvian kids just put their hands on me. I started crying again. I left Peru with closure, and things began to change in my life. I tell you this story to tell you today, a year and a half, I could rejoice at our 46th anniversary with such joy and peace and victory. That's hope for everyone here. That's hope for everyone here. Why? It is because of Christ Jesus. Now, let me tell you why. It's so amazing for all of us that go through stuff in those heavenlies, the ones that hate God, the evil, they want to see you go down. They want to see you defeated. And I can say today and proclaim with all joy, God had the victory. In Christ Jesus, death is not going to take us down. And no matter what we go through, Jesus Christ is with us. So how does that happen? Paul prays an important prayer in Ephesians. He said this, when I think of all this, this is an amazing, well written thing by Paul. He could have just said, well, I pray for y'all. He didn't text it. He wrote something amazing. Listen, listen to the wording here. When I think of all this, he's thinking about all that Jesus Christ has done. I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray for, that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit, then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down in God's love and keep you strong. May you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, we God's people, yes. how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully then you will be made complete in all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. Paul prays for an above average church. And he says this. There are four things he prays, and I break them down real simple. Number one, power. He starts with that. Think about this. Through God's resources... Have you any idea the amazing resources available to God? You could tap into a lot of things that don't have a lot of resources and end up empty, but with God, there is unlimited resources. And he says that the Holy Spirit of God would strengthen your inner man. Then he moves into faith. In essence, he said, believe that Jesus dwells in your heart and is at work in your life. 
And then he moves into this love for others. He says, because the Holy Spirit strengthens us, because Jesus dwells in your heart, you can be rooted and strong in love. There are church people that are hard to love. Don't say amen. You might be sitting next to them. Don't poke them either. We don't want any of that. But when you have that kind of love, you know what you do? You see past the goofy honoriness. You see someone that's hurting. You see someone that's struggling. And you're able through Jesus' love to reach out and help them. And that's a very important thing. And then the last thing he says is God's love for us. He's praised that we would understand his love and know his love. I'm praying this morning. I'm enjoying just this time with God. And I see this picture of this orphan. This this scraggly little destitute orphan on the street. And I see this gazillionaire of a man who sees this orphan and with love reaches out and he takes in this orphan and he says to this orphan, I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you everything that I have. All of my resources are you. I want you to enjoy the benefit of that. And what happens with church people sometimes, we say, no, I'm going to just live on the street. I'm just going to do my own thing. We have a tough time understanding God's love for us. Oh, my goodness. His love. You ever sin? Anybody here ever sin? Okay. I I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but some of you are really. (laughs) It's cool. I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. I'm so disappointed in myself at times. And yet, when I come to this place in this passage... And I see and I know that there is absolutely nothing that I've ever done, that I'm doing, that I will ever do that will shut God's love out for me. He wants me to have all the benefit of his resources, all the benefit of his love. He wants me to enjoy that. And there are people here today that can't enjoy being God's church because you just don't know that God loves you as much as he does. You struggle with that. And so your identity as a believer is impacted in a negative way because you come, maybe you grew up in a church that was just thumbed down, judgmental, and you still see God that way. I understand. I had a lot of that when I grew up. I went to a hellfire brimstone church. I had to get saved every Sunday night. I said things about my parents. I ate a stole a cookie. I mean, it was just dumb. Okay, two cookies. It was just dumb. (laughs) Confessions, good for the soul. And I just lived in this fear of God. And through my Christian upbringing and, and, and moving into a place of understanding of grace, it changed my life. And I felt like God's love for us is amazing. Now, here's what Paul says. The outcome of that kind of prayer, of that kind of above average church, is that you and I and God's church would be complete, complete, full of life and power and above average. So i got to ask you a question. Do you personally have that in your life, or do we have that as a church? Now, Paul finishes this letter in Ephesians with been our key verse throughout this. He says, now all glory to God, and he's addressing the church, this is important, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, there it is again, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And then he says, glory to him in the church and Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Let's talk about glory for just a second, then I'm going to do an illustration and wrap this up, okay? When you look at glory, you have to look at what that means in the sense of 
God's grand greatness, okay? And it's hard for us to understand that. We have this idea of worship because we have things that we worship on this earth, okay? Not just the worship that we have of God. Uh, people worship things, they, celebrities, sports, uh, whatever, money, whatever. People worship that. But the glory has to do with the greatness and the grandness of God. And here's what God is saying to each of you. As his church, you get to partake in that. Uh, in Colossians, Paul writes, in Christ, we have the hope and the glory. Oh, that is so good because we have this idea and hope is this sense of belief, okay? Like, have you ever hoped for something? Like, you hope for Christmas you're going to get a bike or you, it's, just this, it's just this anticipation. In us today should be this anticipation of the glory of God. Let me define the glory as best I can. I cannot put the words together or even imagine what heaven's like and the eternity that we have with God. But I want you to think about this. What do you like about your life? What do you like about the life you have? Do you like love? Isn't love wonderful? When you're loved by your wife, your husband, your kids, there's such a... Can you imagine a love, though, that is perfect, always safe, never ever with the stuff that we have on this earth? Can you imagine joy that isn't just temporary? Can you imagine complete health without any appendicitis, as cute or uncute? Any of these things. Can you imagine just this purity of worship? Can you imagine everything that heaven has for us? We get to share in that glory with God. We're his church. Can I say again, God's church is important. We display to all of those powers and rulers the glory of God. And it's coming, folks. It's coming. So I'm going to do an illustration, okay? I really blew this last night again. So <clears throat> I simplified it, okay? So here we go. I'm going to move some things around, okay? Um, how many remember Lego? Some of you have walked up to me recently and you still remember Lego. So uh, we're going to do a very simple illustration, okay? Uh, I've got some marshmallows, okay? Uh, John, here you go, but I know you're hungry. All right. <laughs> Um, I've got some marshmallows, okay? Uh, I've got four of them. G represents God, okay? Now, and I also have some, some parts of that that are just really the connection, okay? And God is eternal. I wanted to use these uh, uh, metal to represent God, okay? We have the Holy Spirit, which is at work, okay, in our lives, all right? I'm building this real quick. I'm trying to keep uh, time reasonable for you, all right? Some of you are jealous that you don't get to be doing this. Um, remember Tinker Toys as a kid? Okay. There's Jesus. Okay. All right. I'm going to hold this up in a minute. Okay. All right. And so here's the connection. All right. How many believe in the Trinity? Okay. I'm not blowing your theology here away, but I need to show you something. Okay. All right. This is Pastor John. Okay. Now, why this is important, I'll explain it here. Okay. I believe this, all right, as a part of the foundation of church, okay, this is a quadrinity now, okay? I'm going to just hold that up, all right? Can you all see that? Okay, I believe this. I believe that what we're talking about today is that all of these are at work in God's church. God and his love for us, which started the whole thing rolling, the work of the Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus, they're all a part of the church. But every pastor, every leader that God puts together with an anointing and a calling, all right, and that's many varieties of that, are a cornerstone to building God's church. So Pastor John, as you know, came here many years ago 
with a vision, with a calling, with a passion on his heart to build a church here. All right? And many of you have been along the journey. Some of you are newer. Some of you have been from the beginning. All right? I think that's important to stay this. All right? We think that every church has to look alike. I believe God calls leaders to build a church to look certain ways. So today we have many wonderful churches in our communities. All right? Now, there are many changes in pastors, and sometimes that changes vision, and that sometimes creates a little bit of tension. All right? I'm so grateful, and I know this, that Pastor John is called to this church for his life. You will not have a different pastor barring something, you know, physical. And so the reality is, is that the vision of this church. Now, you might be thinking, well, Terry, didn't we have a vision to plant campuses? Yep. Well, isn't that different now? Yep. The vision now is that we would empower all generations to experience the life of Jesus. If you go back and listen to John's preaching or go back and listen to preaching 10 years ago, there's one thread throughout this whole thing, that this church would be built on Jesus. That vision has never changed. Now, that vision should be a part of every church, but how we do that will be different, all right? And so many of you are here because this is your flavor. There's no problem with that. That's a good thing. So I want to show you something, okay? If I took, all right, and this is just a little, let's say this is the foundation of the church, and we want pillars to build an above-average church. In a lot of us today, let me pull that back so everybody can see. In a lot of places today, all right, we just have an average church, okay? Where's Pastor John? Let's start with him, okay? All right, and that's it. That's the pillar. That's as big as it'll get, okay? All right, let me show you another little illustration. Here's what happens. Here's you, okay? You come in. You like Pastor John's vision. You want to be a part of that, okay? You've come to know Christ, all right? You believe in Jesus, so you've got your little pillar going here, all right? You do believe that God loves you, but you're limited in that understanding, so you've got your little pillar here, all right? You are limited in the allowance of the Holy Spirit to work in your life, all right? So here's what I want to show you. These pillars aren't a great foundation to build an above-average church because the moment that I would put another layer on here, you know what would happen, right? These would probably break or lean or bend. This happens all the time in average and below-average churches. This is why people look today and see church as below-average. All the research with people who do not go to church thinks church is pretty lame. That's not good. The Acts Church, they didn't think about that because they had amazing things working in that thing. So this is what we're limited to. But what if it was different? What if we're above average, we looked at things differently? What if we began to realize that God did not intend, all right, for us to be lone out there by ourselves trying to build the church? What if God said, I've given all of you the capacity, the ability to have different gifts, different strengths, and that in community, we could join together, all right, and be a part of God's church and build a much stronger, much better foundation. How many want to be a part of that, huh? All right. Now, I could add a hundred of these, all right, but I'm not. But what about the other things? Okay, because this is very important to understand God's role and dynamic in this. All right. Now, I know that I do these dumb illustrations and I know it's for us visual people. Some of you are cerebral. You already got your message. Just sit back and enjoy. But those of us that are visual, I want you to see what happens here. Listen, when you continue to grow in your walk with God and the more here's my God connection, the more you understand how much he loves you, 
I am telling you, that absolutely changes your life. Because you don't operate in your life in fear. You don't walk through wondering, did you make God happy? Or is he mad at you? Or any of that. You walk in such freedom because you know the love of God. And what an amazing foundation that that would build in your life. All right? And what about then Jesus? What about knowing that in Jesus, all right, that we are connected? And this is a spiritual process of growth. We've read that in the passage today. This is a process, okay? Oh, this is so good. What if you begin to really believe Jesus? I know that most of you here have enough belief in Jesus to say, I want you to be saving my soul. But what if you begin to believe all of what Scripture's talking about in Jesus and the greatness and the power and the authority that he has? Do you know that in Jesus' name we can do a lot of stuff? Do you know that the victory we display in that heavenly is done in the name of Jesus? And do you know that every time you do that, we say to the evil forces that are out there, hey, look at Jesus. Look at his authority. Look at his power. Look at, his, look at the victory that we have. And so you build into Jesus all of these beliefs that are built in this amazing sense of who Jesus is and who he can do. And so we continue to add that as we go and as we grow, all right? And then the last is the Holy Spirit, all right? And that is this. That is that we're connected to God, and in the Holy Spirit, we walk in authority and power, and he fills us in our inner man. Hey, I'm going to be honest. A lot of the church years that I've had, man, there was not a lot of power I didn't, and I was thinking about this today. How does this happen? Let me tell you. You learn about Jesus and the belief in him in the word of God. I'm gonna say this. If you're not reading the word of God, you will never have a lot of beliefs that the word teaches us about Jesus. You just won't, all right? If you never spend time being filled with the spirit, you will not have a very strong, powerful life to Jesus, okay? So we continue to be full and strong and I can continue to add this, but my point is this. I'm going to just leave it at that. This is what builds the foundation for the next level of an above average church. So where are you? Are you that single one trying to make church work and it's not important to you? And you're struggling, trying to figure out, why isn't God helping me? Why doesn't God help my marriage? Why isn't God working in this area? And you keep wanting the God that you need, but you don't allow him to work in your life in order to accomplish that. See, we're together in this. We are God's people. We are a community. We do this together. And the relationships are important, all right? It has to be more important than just a weekend thing. Your walk with God is throughout the week. There are ministries and things that happen in your life throughout the week as well. But the fact is, is that if you are in a, and, and I got to give Kate this credit. You know what she said in our teaching team? She said, to have an above average church, you need above average Christians, Golly, I wish I was that smart and said stuff like that. Isn't that the truth? You and God. I'm not judging. I'm just proclaiming the truth. You average, below average, you get a choice. You get to be that church that is displayed in the heavenlies of victory. I want you to have victory. I want you to experience God. I want the Holy Spirit to change you. I want your belief in Jesus to be established. I want your relationships and the work of God through ministries and gifts to be established. I want all of these things happening in your life. I want you to know the love of God. Amen? Amen. All right. I'd like you to stand. I'm going to ask you to 
And we'll close it out this way. Our worship team have been so kind to accommodate a request that I had. There's a very ancient hymn that points us to Jesus. And I wanted this to be very reflective as we close this out because this is just a moment that you can actually process this both in your heart and your spirit and you can have this sense of conversation with God. And I want you to be able to do that. And I love this old hymn, okay? And it starts from the beginning of Jesus' work until eternity. And as you sing along, I just pray that the Holy Spirit will just point out, all right, we can have the victory. We can be God's people. We can see that church is important if you just let God let it. So join in this, and at the end, I'll close with just a statement. So go ahead, Camille. My Jesus, I love thee. I know that
Father in heaven, I have an amazing confidence today that it isn't the words of a man, but it's the work of your spirit that will really bring home this truth. You have called us to be your people. And you, in that calling, have made us a great people because of what Jesus has done, not because of what we've done. I challenge this group of people to be God's people, to experience all that you have. Lord, for those that just need to know you love them, let them know that today. For those that need to believe in Jesus, let them know that today. For those that need the Holy Spirit to empower them, do that today. For those that need to have community and love, do that today. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. You're wonderful people. I mean that with all my heart. Uh, let me mention this. Um, actually, this isn't on the thing. I was thinking about the things that I do at this church, and Pastor John gives me a lot of latitude to just love people and connect people. We do a lot of things that really help people in this process. We do activities and events. We're going to do a, a motorcycle car ride in a couple weeks. Those are things you can ask me about. But one thing that's important is foundations. That's coming up, and that's the basic truths of God, if you'd like to know more about that. But really important today, I want to really challenge you. Pastor Jake talked about this first five. It is our effort to just make an on-ramp for folks to get into that process. And if you would, take five minutes, come down. Your kids are good if you've got kids. They've got five minutes of just heyday down there. Uh, we just let them go free. They run in the streets. And, no, I'm kidding. No, that's not true. Come down to first five. Just go down the steps, turn left, and you'll see there's little yellow arrows that'll lead you down. Come spend some time. We're heading down there. All of us are going to be down there staff-wise. Love to have you. Thank you so much. God loves you. In Christ Jesus, we have the victory. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. Take care.